You are listening to the Therefore a Geek podcast, episode 95. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Therefore a Geek. I'm Andrew. And I'm the ghost of Christmas movies. That's a really terrifying ghost. Yeah, right? It's bad. It's a scary one. This is the horror movie version. Right. Remember a few years ago when they had that Christmas horror movie? Yes, the anthology one. I, I didn't watch it, but I was just like, a Christmas horror movie. Yeah, it's, how it's fuck, actually... How like, fucking bored are we? How bad is this season, that Christmas season for movies that we had a Christmas horror film? If we're talking about the same one, it's actually like three movies wrapped into one. And, and, and some of them aren't that bad. Like, they're all tied together by, like, William Shatner playing a drunk radio DJ. <laughs> And, like, one is about Santa fighting zombie elves. Another is, like, your typical Japanese ripoff ghost story. And then another one is, like, a Krumpus story. And they're all kind of tongue-in-cheek. But it was, it, it was a fun watch if we're talking about the same one. Okay. I mean, the best part was, like, like some of them have a couple twist endings. And then the credits are Shatner just, like, drunk arguing with somebody over uh, over the, like, the phone lines. Nice. And you're you're watching it going, you know, this is probably what he really does sound like. I don't think he's acting right now. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. All right, so today we are going to be talking, we've got a couple things. Um, the, the most current thing today is, uh, unfortunately, Carrie Fisher's had a heart attack. Uh, not terribly surprising, but unfortunate. At least according to the Hollywood Reporter, Carrie Fisher is currently in stable condition. Yes. As of right now. Yep, That's that is also what I have heard. Martin Scorsese thinks that cinema is gone. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, he, Martin Scorsese is is basically pulling the uh, kids these days with <laughs> when it comes to movies. And then uh, dude and I are going to talk. <laughs> Dude's phone's going to talk to him first. Uh, dude and I are going to talk about Assassin's Creed. We work in the shadows to serve the light. Is that what they say? Is that what they said? Uh, I think they said that at one point. We're, we work in the darkness, shadows. Something like that, yeah. Hazy, haziness. Well, they obviously do most of their work without Michael Fassbender's shirt on, which was nice. Did they, though? I mean, there was, he really, was in, it was really only that one scene. He was shirtless for a good... Every time he was in the Animus, he did not have a shirt on. No, the first two times he had, like, an undershirt on. Well, yeah, he was like... I thought he was pretty shirtless. Yes, I know you do. <laughs> All right, so Carrie Fisher. I mean, like you said, she is in stable condition... Uh, she was apparently on a flight from London to Los Angeles. Which would have given me a heart attack, so I don't blame her. Right. Well, and you got to figure, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, you know, Carrie Fisher's done a lot of drugs. Yeah, Carrie Fisher is 60, she, yeah, she's but not, her, she, heart, her heart is much older. Yeah, turns out cocaine does not do good things to you. <laughs> not, not to say this is a cocaine-related heart attack. We're just saying, cocaine doesn't do good things to you. Well, I mean, you know, she's not on coke anymore, but like, Correct. I mean, you know, it's not, it's not like the damage undoes itself. Uh-huh. No, that's when, true. When you, when you just go, all right, I'm done with cocaine, your body's like, oh, okay, all right, back to normal. Nope, no. It's more like, <laughs> wait, can we get more cocaine? No, 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 I'd, I'd like the cocaine back, please. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I'm glad to see she's doing better. Uh, my first reaction was... You know, what the fuck, 2016, eight more goddamn days. And then my next response was, we got two more fucking movies she needs to hold on. Because I'm not doing CGI Carrie Fisher for no, two that's, movies. No, we're going to go to old CGI Carrie Fisher. That makes you start to wonder, it's like, hey, you know what? Maybe they should have just pulled the Lord of the Rings and filmed all of them at once. Because, you know, who, who else knows how long they're going to hold on? Well, I mean, realistically, I mean, Mark Hamill's in in, in fairly good shape, so I think we're okay yeah. on that one. And Harrison Ford's character's dead. Yeah, like they took <laughs> they took care of that. You know, Kenny Baker it wasn't actually in the R two D two this time. Yeah, probably the next one up is Peter Mayhew, mm -hmm. and uh, he wasn't in this Chewbacca costume most of the time, anyways. 
Right. Now, I, I will say, as, as we're looking, she is stable. We don't know what condition she is in. According to The Hollywood Reporter and, I guess, TMZ, uh, paramedics worked on the actress for 15 minutes before they were able to get a pulse. Uh, not generally a good sign. If no. you don't have if you don't have um, blood circulating through your system, I believe the kind of the cutoff is six minutes before brain damage starts to set in. I had actually a, a family, a friend of the family's had a massive heart attack while they were sleeping just a few weeks ago. And he went 30 minutes without oxygen. Uh, so the the conditions you are going to be in after something is like this is, uh, let's say, gotten through. Right. Uh, we're not sure, you know, but at least she's stable. Well, and here's my other thing. I mean, how much how much brain damage does Carrie Fisher already have? <laughs> already, have. right? Are we going to notice any difference? That's mean. Well, well, I not. I mean, have we already damaged those parts of the brain? I don't know. I don't know how that part works. <laughs> you know, again, between the cocaine and the electric shock therapy. Oh God, <laughs> I feel like we're piling on this poor woman. I mean, we are. But at the same time, I mean, go watch Wishful Drinking. Well, I remember. Do you remember she did that show? Oh, maybe this was about ten years ago, where it was like it was supposed to be American Idol for filmmakers, and they were all supposed to make like short movies. And and Carrie Fisher and like Sydney Lament were like judges, and Brett Ratner was on it. No, it, I, I forgot exactly the details of this. It's it's just coming back to me. The show is terrible. But that's the first moment we all realized, oh, Carrie Fisher is currently the female Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah. I, I, that was right around, it was like a Fox show. It was really terrible. There was, um, there's another podcast, you know, obviously far more successful than ours, called The West Wing Weekly. Yeah. And I mean, I, I mean, I'm a big fan of the West Wing, so I've I've listened to about half of the episodes that are out so far. Is they're, they're they're only on like the second season of the show? But mm -hmm. I guess a bunch of fans had asked them to cast a gender bent version of the West Wing, and they had cast Carrie Fisher as the president. And I'm like, in the picture they the picture they chose for for like you know the when they put this up, and I'm like, the based on the picture, I can see that. Based mm -hmm. on having seen Carrie Fisher in films and in person, no, that doesn't know. <laughs> Like, we're already getting Trump. We don't need a uh, Carrie Fisher. Yeah, I mean, you know, who was the president that had the, who had the stroke and his wife took, basically ran the ran the country for a couple of years, for like a couple Woodrow, of months? That was Woodrow Wilson. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, that's the, I kind of I feel like that's what would, what would be going on. Probably. I mean, Wilson at least was somewhat lucid. He just couldn't move around. And I remember there was a story my history teacher told us that a couple senators, like opposing senators, like rival party senators came to visit him and they, they, to see if he was alive, because there was a lot of rumors that Wilson wasn't even alive. Right. And he go, they go up to him and go, uh, Mr. President, we've been praying for you. And Woodrow Wilson looks up that at them and goes, which way? <laughs> and that's at least how they knew he was still lucid yeah so martin scorsese speaking of, of filmmakers filmmakers yes yeah. so this was interesting i've had an ongoing conversation with a number of my friends about the state american cinema is in and projected to go in and, and we, we always play this guessing game and here at the podcast, we've kept tabs, especially on the influence that foreign markets have on American filmmaking and intellectual properties have had. So Martin Scorsese had said something very interesting that I picked up on the AP a few days ago. And basically he says, cinema is gone. The cinema I grew up, grew up with and am making, that, 
it's gone. Theater always uh, will always be there for the communal experience, there's no doubt. What kind of sp experience is it going to be? Is it always going to be a theme park movie? I sound like an old man, which I am. The big screen for us, I guess he's, I talk referring to his generation, in the 50s, you go from the Westerns to Lawrence of Arabia to special experiences of 2001 and 1968, the experience of seeing Vertigo and searches in VistaVision. So I get what he's saying, right? He's essentially in this one particular quote that I kind of mangled. He, he's, he seems to be saying that the diversity of filmmaking and the quality of filmmaking, at least the implication is that it's gone down and that it's not the same as it used to be. Now, to some extent, it's obvious that he's right because we don't make movies the same way we did in the 1950s. And the movies are, and the stories that movies tell are very different from the 1950s. But on the other hand, he does have a park when he calls, point when he calls these movies theme park movies. And I know what he's referring to. He's referring to these really big blockbuster, Marvel, Disney, Warner Brothers movies that all seem to want to build a franchise and they want to make a roller coaster ride at Disney after it and have toys and a television show and three movies and comic books and all this other stuff rather than just making a movie and telling a story. So to some extent, I think he's right. And I don't know if there's a way to change that. You know, if it's, you know, he's pointing out something that's obvious to everyone. There's nothing we can do about it. Uh, what's your take on this? So I, I think... I think he's right to an extent in that we are in an era of those kinds of films. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, he, I mean, he, he goes back to the 1950s, 1960s. Right, where he grew up, right? right. That's, that's basically it. That's what made him fall in love with movies. But let, let's, let, I mean, you take a look from like the late, the very late 60s, really the early 70s. Mm -hmm. They put out just a lot of fucking shit. Yeah, so there's this feeling among critics that, you know, movies from the 1970s, that, that the, 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 coming of age of the new Hollywood is like the golden era. No, they, they put out a lot of crap, almost as much crap then as they do now. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, I think we're in a trans, we, we may be in a kind of a transitional stage, kind of like the early 1970s, mm -hmm. you know, where we're going from a, 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 I mean, I think, I think there were better quality films. We kind of, started ramping up in like the in like the late the early 80s peaked somewhere probably in the mid 90s have kind of come kind of came off of that bottomed out and we're kind of chugging our way up yes it's it's, it's really interesting because you know in the 1950s that that be that was the beginning of the end of the studio system right so the studios pumping out these kind of movies that were really just run by producers and then scorsese and and guys like Spielberg and Coppola Coppola and, and yeah. all these guys they came out in the new Hollywood in the 70s right in the in the you had Scorsese's movies like Taxi Driver and you know Coppola's Apocalypse Now and you had Jaws and the Godfather and yeah all these like really great movies that came out in the 70s we just forget that we're only thinking about the guys who did a really good job there was a bunch of guys who were not doing a good job whose names we've just forgotten right right and basically the, the end of that studio system came with the movie Heaven's Gate. And I can't remember the name of the director. He just recently died. He did The Deer Hunter. When Get Heaven's Gate comes out, it, we basically go back into that phase you were talking about where we go through the 80s and, and into the mid-90s where we go through like a new studio system. And then it kind of breaks apart again. And now we're in, I, I guess, another studio system where like – the, you've got Disney just crossed $7 billion profit for the first time. Yeah, like, I'm, that's huge. 
Yeah, I mean, do I think everything that's being put out now is bad? Certainly no. not. I mean, you, you know, this for this past no, I, year, we got movies like Spotlight. I mean, that was a fantastic film. Now, this this year, I think, has been a, a low year. But that sure. It's not an indication of the era we're in. No. I mean, I, yeah, I, I think in general, we're probably, the era itself is probably a lower point than others, where, where we're putting out very formulaic, very franchise films. And, you know, five years from now, I don't know that we'll be in that same that same place. Yeah, this is, this is really the crux of the matter. And this is kind of separate from Scorsese's point is right now we're in what appears to me to be a big studio system time, especially with, you know, the Marvel, DC, Star Wars, Star Trek, Disney run, Warner Brothers run, uh, Sony era, right? Producers seem to have a lot of control over the movies. And, you know, and we've talked a lot about reshoots on this podcast. We talked about the reshoots for Rogue One and Suicide Squad, and that's just kind of becoming a thing. Now, how long that's going to last, I don't know, but it's, it's clearly it's going to be here for a little while. And to that extent, I think Scorsese is right that the auteur movies are kind of gone from the mainstream movie going public's view. Sure. For the, mo- for, but I think it's for the moment, to be honest, Scorsese is pointing to the 1950s, early mm-hmm. 1960s. By the time Scorsese started making films, that era of film was already dead. Oh yeah, by far. So he yeah. he's he was pointing to you know the area of film that I that I love, but it was already mm-hmm. dead by the time that he, even the movies he made, mm-hmm. you know. So he has a point, but I don't think he has the point he thinks he's making. Yeah, I think he's right for different reasons. That's really what I think. I, I wouldn't mind seeing like a new auteur era of movies coming out soon, because right now it's just we are in we are in this the studio world. Let's get into to some Assassin's Creed. Some Assassin's Creed goodie. Now, now before we started recording, I did verify. Dude is in fact wearing pants. I am wearing um, pants. So just because I can't see his hands, <laughs> I feel no, uh, I feel mildly. Uh, you're only showing me one hand. Ah, there it is. There you go. <laughs> I feel mildly safe knowing that you know you're not doing anything untoward. Hey, you never know when you talk about Michael Fassbender. I, lo- I love that white boy. He's so cute. He's just a man. Everything about him is delicious. I mean, he admittedly, he looked very good for this this movie. Yeah, he jacked up some. Yeah. He was definitely like, I need to get buff because there is going to be a part of this movie where I am not going to wear a shirt. And I am I am going to make sure people like it. All right, and so, I so, dude, what do you think? Because you're the one who was really gung-ho about seeing this. Yeah, I did want to see this. I was really hoping at some point video game movies were going to be good. And I really like this creative team. I saw them. Uh, so this is, I don't know how to pronounce this lady's name properly. Marion Cotillard or Cotillard. I think it's Cotillard. Cotillard. Okay. And Michael Fassbender and the director's Justin, Justin Kurtzel. And these guys did Macbeth last year, and I really liked it. I thought both actors were fantastic, and I loved the visual aspect of Macbeth. So I was hoping we would get something at least visually on that level. And then this particular movie, Assassin's Creed, also has a very good cast. You've got Michael Fassbender, Marion Cotillard, of course, and then Jeremy Irons, the same director. And Fassbender had a lot to do with this movie, and he was a fan. I hear he was a fan of the series, so maybe we were going to get a decent video game movie. And after watching it, while I don't think the movie is god-awful, I don't think it's very good either. Yeah, so I, I mean, I think... I think this is about as good as we're going to get for a video game movie. And at least yeah, at least probably. in my mind, it, it, it kind of rank, ranks up there somewhere around Resident Evil. Okay. You know, the, like, it, it certainly looks better than Resident Evil because that's, you know, the late 90s. But, like, mm-hmm. you know, this is this is just kind of what, what to expect from a video game movie. Mm-hmm. 
I, I mean, I'm a huge fan of the video game series. Uh, at one point, I had to cut myself off because I started looking at buildings, trying to figure out how, how to climb them. <laughs> and then I realized, no, I'm not the video game character, and I probably shouldn't do that. And also, I'm right. afraid of heights. <laughs> I just feel like when it comes to video games and then trying to translate them into movies, the big problem is there are things that work in video games that don't work in movies. And in video games, they can do something stupid, and you can kind of get around it because you're playing a game. But the kind of central premise of Assassin's Creed is admittedly kind of silly. And it was they, they, they weren't able to work, I don't think, able to work around it in this film very well. Uh, I would say yes and no. I would say, so they, they made some changes to the premise. Not like major ones, but like ones that took something that was like, you just kind of went, okay, whatever. Mm -hmm. And changed them to just being like, that was fucking stupid. In the movie, you're saying? Yes. Right, but and that's kind of like my problem with the, with the movies is, you know, the, just as a film and, and trying to avoid comparing it to the games. Like, in the movie, I think the central premise of the movie was so silly, it was hard to get away from it. Like, in the game, it's easier to get away from so, it. Because so you're, what you're, part are you referring to as the central premise? So the whole idea is that you've got DNA that you can use to find your past and relive memories. And I've only played one of the games, and they don't really harp on that as much in the game. You kind of spend most of your time, like, in the past doing stuff. Whereas in this movie, we spend, I think, more time in the present than we do in the Spanish Inquisition era. And I think the film would have been much better served spending a lot of time in the past and not so much time in the present. And see, some of that has to do with, with, with the game you played. You played Unity. Yeah. Assassin's Creed Unity. So at that point... They're not. They're not spending a whole lot of time in the present. And admittedly, in the you know, in the game, you spend a lot more time in the past than the present. Mm -hmm. But Assassin, the, the first game, and then the Assassin, the Assassin's Creed Two trilogy, you spend a lot more time than like in Unity in the present. Mm -hmm. And it has a lot more bearing on what's going on. And and, yeah, those, and, think, and I'll be honest, those were the better games. I guess, but as I guess, for as far as like on screen in this particular movie, it I don't think it did it any favors. I, I felt myself watching it going, you know, I kind of, I kept going, I really wish they'd stayed in Spain because that was kind of interesting. Like, I'd really like to get to know the past Michael Fassbender character's name. I can't remember the guy's, the character's name now. Uh, Aguilar. You know, I would like to have gotten to know Aguilar a little bit better, like who he is, what he's all about, who the assassins really are. The movie really leaves way more questions than answers. No, it absolutely it, does. And it, I think it hurt this film. It really hurt it. No, I don't disagree with you on that. I think they're, they certainly could have spent more time in the past. However, I think had they taken some of some of the elements from the game better and not tried to change them as much, that mm -hmm. that you would have cared more about the present. So mm -hmm. like the whole the whole Apple of Eden. Yeah, the big MacGuffin. Right. In the movie, it's you know it's the DNA for free will. Right. Which is fucking stupid. Very, yeah, and it's just again it's one of those things where it's, the key is you never name the MacGuffin. Don't talk about what it is because it just raises more questions. Right, and in the game they don't they don't go into the specifics, and basically in, it's just it's a device that lets that lets you control people, mm -hmm. you know, or or sway sway them to your will, mm -hmm. and that works better. It works better in the game, and it would I think it would have worked better in a film. Like they made choices in the for the movie that are different than the than the games. I think those choices were bad choices. Yeah, and and it's again, which it, is weird because usually 
they try and stick too close to the video game and you're going, I don't, I don't need this. I don't need this in a, in a movie. Yeah. And, and especially with this film, I, that was my other main problem is it, it, other than just the premise being really silly and then them seeming to harp on it for a while, there's this implication that the assassins, we, we really know nothing about them as far right. as this movie doesn't tell us anything about them. You're left with this impression that the way you become an assassin is they put you in the animus and then you remember your ancestors past and now you know how to do everything they can do. It's almost like the Matrix where he, he wakes up and goes, I know Kung Fu. Just yeah. now it's a more multi-stepped process. Yeah. And you're you're sitting there going, well, if the if the the assassins are all these people in this like high tech prison that Michael Fassbender is being hidden in. And the Knights Templars are using this to get the information the assassins know. We, all of us in the theater are like, well, they're just training assassins to kick the shit out of them. Right. And and I mean, I, I, I have a hard time not comparing it to the games here. But in, in, in the game universe, the assassins exist outside of this prison like they're mm -hmm. still an organ they're still an organization so are you are you working for the assassins in the games or is it the templars and you find out you're working for the, is that the same is that the same thing kind of so so the, the the main character and i'm drawing a blank on the character's name was it like duncan or something it begins with a d and i'm just drawing a blank but it's yeah, yeah assassin's creed one through three mm -hmm. and you know all the games in between there his family are assassins mm -hmm. and he basically says nah I don't really want anything to do with this and just kind of goes off on his own right and then he gets abducted by Abstergo so like he knows a little bit about the assassins and was kind of trained as like a as like a kid preteen before he took off but like you know he doesn't know he doesn't know much and then he's broken out by other assassins uh-huh right yeah i think i just not trying to rewrite the movie i just think at least as far as a story is concerned if they kept it a little more simpler and didn't add the oh you're actually working for the bad guy element to the movie maybe it would have done a little bit better just by not raising so many weird questions because i think that's the that was the death knell for this movie was Every scene, almost every scene, you're going, well, wait, I don't get what that means. Why are they doing it this way? How does that work? And you don't want to think about that when you're watching a movie. You want to just kind of flow with it. Yeah, and the only time in the immersed. movie, yeah, the only time I felt like in the flow of the movie is when they were in 15th century Spain, which admittedly had the coolest scenes in the movie there. Yeah, I mean, to me, the, like the, some of the 15th century Spain stuff, it felt like, okay, here's an element from the game. Yep, we're going to, all right. It basically felt like at times a checklist of, of game elements. I, I don't disagree with you there. At least I thought they were kind of cool. No, I mean, they were well done. And the, uh, like the, 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 the free running scene when they're doing all the, um, the parkour. Yeah. All the parkour. Yeah. And that was, that was fun. I mean, the one thing that bugged me about parts of that was it had a very video game feel in terms of bad guys were just jumping out of everywhere. Yes. Yeah. I know. I, I was just like. Like Michael Fassbender's running down a an underground tunnel, and dudes are just jumping down from the street. And like, how do they know where he is? Right. Absolutely. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Which I, I guess didn't bother me that much. I was able to forgive the silliness in the 15th century scenes more than I was able to forgive the silliness from the modern era scenes for some reason. Well, I mean, there were some real problems with the modern era scenes. I mean, there were. There were, and it was just. I mean, I, I mean, I didn't enjoy being in the modern era. I liked being in Spain. I thought that was just cooler. I don't know that I would say it was cooler, but certainly the modern era was was more problematic. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, just it was hard for me to put my finger on it. But I mean, another like one of those issues is 
you you never really learn like what the relationship is between the assassins and the sultan of Grenada. Like, yeah. I guess people, if you're playing the video games, you know that they're not the same faction. But you're like, why are these? Are they an Islamic well, group? Well, no, no. They... So, so this portion, like this entire plot, is not from a game. Right, but you, but I'm saying is like in, in the games you have like a better background of who the assassins are, sure, who they're for, why they work for, who they or why they ally with who they ally with. And in, I mean, in the game, kind, kind of in the movie, you have no idea. I, I mean, the assassins are very opportunistic. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there are times in the game you're going, okay, I, I guess I'm going to work with this guy, mm -hmm. and then you work with that guy. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think you're giving the game a little too much credit. Okay. At times, because there are times where you're just like, okay, sure, I, I don't <laughs> sure. know, who, I don't know who he is or why I'm helping him, but okay. Yeah, but I guess that's the thing is you can get away with that in a game. I just, you know, I just okay, whatever. We're gonna we're gonna kill this dude. Sure. This seems like a really bad idea, and it's probably going to get me in trouble later. But I'm sure I'll find a way to fight myself, fight my way out of sure. it. Sure. And in the movie, you're less like, huh? Yeah. I, w I will say this. I was a little disappointed with, with Kurtzel's directing. Because, like, the last movie I saw of his, Macbeth, it was so clear and interesting visually. And in this one, it was this was just kind of dark and very dusty. Dark, and very, yes. They kept having that fucking CGI eagle. Yeah. I know oh, they it really, was so they put, dumb. They put a lot. I was like, okay, I get it. It's the eagle from the checkpoint. Yeah, it's, the eagle, it's the eagle vision. Okay, uh huh. Yeah. Like I got it. No, but I'm talking about just like the CGI dust that appears out of nowhere. Yeah. All the time. I was like we don't need that. Come on. And then my typical argue, my typical problems with like super close up storing fight scenes and shaky cam. Yeah, although. It was not as bad as I I would have expected. No, it certainly wasn't as bad and, as like, other I, films. So I, I saw the I saw the movie in three D. You did. It was look... it was either go at noon and I was still at work or go at right. like eight p.m. There was no middle ground. Oh god! L literally, one of the theaters near me. It was ten a.m. or ten p.m. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" No, it's because they got another movie. Any everybody else wants to see in between that time. No, I I, I I realize that. I'm just like, God damn it. So I got like, all right, I guess I'm going to see it in 3D. Which, by the way, so I got my 3D glasses, like, mm -hmm. got my popcorn, got my got my drink, took my sweatshirt off. I suddenly am like, where did, where did my 3D glasses go? <laughs> like, I lost a pair of 3D glasses in the course of taking them out of the bag and then taking off my hoodie. Oh, God. So, like, I'm in the middle of the trailers and had to, like, sprint out, like, go steal another pair of, <laughs> pair of glasses and run back Reached in. Reached into that garbage can that they leave no, out. No, interestingly, the interestingly enough, the theater was at, like, had just, like, one of those giant racks All of the them. Trays, yeah. Yeah, with just full of trays of them, just like sitting on the court, like next to another theater. And I was like, all right, mine. <laughs> yeah, I've done that before where I'm like walking to a 3D movie and like, oh shit, I need uh, my, my glasses. I just reach into the big trash bag and pull one out and put it on. Yeah, I mean, that, that was that was my plan had I not seen the, the trays. Um, it was it was pretty heavy on the 3D, I'll be honest. Really? Yeah. Like it, it felt like it was 3D. Like it felt like they had this in mind. Oh, very much so. Oh, okay. And I'll be, I'll be honest. I mean, I'm, I, I am not a big 3D fan. No, neither it, am I. It didn't look terrible. Okay. Like, I mean, in general, 3D doesn't impress me, and I kind of went, eh. Yeah. And you know, there's like there's certain effects and stuff in 3D that you just go, stop, stop doing those. Like, like fire, like the sparks coming off of fire. So I have mixed feelings about. I, I now I kind of wish I saw it in 3D because you're telling me this was kind of like hokey 3D stuff. 
Yeah. I would have gone along with that. Because I saw Rogue One in 3D, and it didn't have to be in 3D. The only reason why I saw that one in 3D is because everything else was sold out. Right. It didn't look bad in 3D, don't get me wrong, but it was not, like, for 3D. If I'm seeing a movie in 3D, I, 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 me, personally, I'm okay with the weird, hokey 3D crap. Like, did the eagle fly at you? Not, like, at you, but, I mean, it, it definitely... Oh, okay. But I mean, like, it was definitely like popping off the screen. It was definitely heavy 3D. I don't know, popping off the screen, but I mean, like, no. it was very much shot with 3D in mind. Okay. I'm not going to go back and see it in 3D, but I'll just take no, it yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't go back and see it in 3D either. <laughs> no. Yeah, I, th- I do think you are right. This is about as good as video game movies are going to get unless someone really sits down and tries to write a good story without paying too much lip service to the game. It's a weird balancing act. Yeah. It's like you got to find out what people like in the game and then balance it with what actually works on screen. And Lord knows I haven't figured out what it is. And it appears that Hollywood hasn't figured out what it is since like the first Mortal Kombat movie. Yeah. So what did, what did you think of the acting? I thought it was fine. I mean, I th- I really like Michael Fassbender. He he does that kind of angry whisper throughout the entire movie, but he's always convincing to me. There Jeremy a, Irons just looked like he was trying to collect a paycheck. Yeah, a little and, bit. I mean, I enjoyed Jeremy Irons. Michael Fassbender. I, I, mean, I, I always, there, yeah, they were all, they're all there, good there actors. Were, there was one time in there, like, when the character goes crazy after, like, the second time in the Animus. Yeah. And I was like, all right, all right we, we, can, we can take that off of 11, dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. he, de- he definitely was at, like... He's like, no, no, it goes to eleven. I was like, right. let's let's let, let's dial that back to like an eight and a half. Sure, sure. And I missed the first like ten minutes of the movie because Christmas traffic around the mall I saw it in was ridiculous. You didn't miss so, a lot. So all I all I got, I walked in right as he was being executed. I don't think I did. I miss much or not really. Uh, you missed a little bit of background, but not a ton. Not a ton. Like I get that he was like a bad dude and he killed a pimp. And that was it's like, is that all I need to see? Yeah, I mean, we didn't even see that. Like when you found oh. out like 30 minutes into the film, that's what that's what he did. That's uh-huh. when that's when everyone found out. Oh, OK. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess I did. No, like, like you see him as a kid uh, running in and finding his dad having murdered his mom. Right. Where in the assassins thing, right? The yeah. cape thing. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, you see it in flat. You see it in flashback later. Yeah, like you, yeah, you see him as a kid, like trying to do like a bicycle stunt. <laughs> it's a really awful stunt to like. <laughs> no, 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 I mean, like, like one of those stunts that, like, as a kid, you're like, oh, this will be great, and you're lucky to live. Oh wow! Like he jumps his bike like off of the roof of one building and tries to land on another. And he almost makes it like his front tire makes it. And then his bike frame slams into the corner of the building and he falls mm-hmm. like he and like this is obviously planned because he, he fell onto like a pile of old mattresses. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, it's one of those like he fell a good like 30 feet onto these mattresses. <laughs> like, you know, these are the things like as a kid, you're like, all right, I got this. I got this figured out. I got this this plan. This is going to work. It's going to be great. And then as an adult, you sit here and go, I should be dead. Right. So it was actually, I mean, like it wasn't a good, good scene, but it was like, it was kind of amusing. You're like, oh man, oh, 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 to be 10 and stupid. Right. Yeah. I mean, I I feel like I would have liked this movie a little bit more if I I just, if the action sequences were a little more crisp and clear. That's my only real beef with the movie is if it had some like badass fight sequences that were easy to take in and enjoy, kind of like Donnie Yen's big fight in Rogue One, I think I'd be a little more forgiving of it. But otherwise it's like, eh, it's yeah. a video game movie that wasn't very good. Yeah, like I'm Moving not on. I'm not I'm not upset at the movie by any means, but I'm also No, not I'm not either. I, 
I think the move. I think some people are just piling on because it's easy to pile on a video game movie. Whereas yes. I'm just kind of like, nah, it just wasn't that good. Yeah. What I loved was the really weird like marketing campaign it has out here on the radio that they like they were really pushing it hard on sports talk radio and they're like, it's the movie everyone's been waiting for. I'm like, I don't, I don't know if I'd go that far. Like, we haven't all been waiting for it. It's like, we're like, oh, this will make a nice movie. Cool. I'd like to see it. Yeah. No, yeah, the, the marketing campaigns have gone downhill since the original game. Yeah. No, the original game had some really cool marketing, like viral kind of marketing going on at yeah. San Diego Comic-Con. So in the first game, so you haven't played it, but like in, in other games, you can hide in like, you know, just random crowds of people. Right. Well, in the first game, you can only do that in and around like monks, like walking in, like in prayer. Right. And they had like a couple of groups around San Diego Comic-Con just walking around like doing that like they do in the game. Mm-hmm. Like, that, was, that was a really cool ad campaign back in the day. They had a big like Assassin's Creed. They, how many games do they have of this? Um, yeah. It's a lot, right? Hang on a second. I can count 10. Wow. So right. one, two, Brotherhood, Revelations, three, Black Flag, Unity, Syndicate. Uh, and then there's there's a game for the PS... There's a game for the PSP called Bloodlines, and then there's another one for the Vita, and I can't remember mm. what it's called. So I know of 10. Wow. Well, I mean, obviously a successful franchise, so good for them. Desmond. There we go. Sorry. that was That's, the, that's the character's <laughs> name. I knew it was going to hit me. I've literally been trying to... Like, I have, you know, uh, 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 the internet in front of me. I have a phone that has the internet, and I've been trying to figure this out for, like, three days. <laughs> Desmond. Yeah. So I, I was actually, I, I was going to ask you if you, if, what, if you saw any interesting trailers beforehand, but obviously you said you didn't make it. No, uh, the only interesting trailers I saw were I went to go see Passengers immediately after this. And even then, I can't really remember. There's nothing I saw that was particularly interesting. So I saw I saw a trailer, and the movie itself does not look interesting. So a movie for Fist Fight. A oh. trailer for it's called Fist Fight, and it's basically it's like Ice T and one of the guys from Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and it's like two teachers who like Ice T plays like a like challenges the other teacher to a fist fight. Uh huh. And the the guy from Always Sunny in Philadelphia is like talking to the guidance counselor, and he's like, "Are are are you on meth?" She's like, no, no, um, maybe a little. Maybe. Yes. It's like a really funny trailer, but you're like, I'm not paying to see this movie. No, so the entire trailer wasn't funny, but like just this one part, she's like, yes. And then <laughs> and he goes, he goes, you know, you, you should really stop that. And she goes, because it's a gateway drug. It's like, no, it's the finish line. <laughs> yeah, it was like that. Like, I don't want to, I don't care about seeing a movie as Ice-T as a teacher who wants to fight another teacher. Right. But that was, and I'm sorry, I think it's Ice Cube actually, not Ice T. It's Ice Cube. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And I was just like, but that that's a really like funny line, is because it, it's a gateway. No, it's the finish line. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of true. <laughs> no, it really, it really is. You can't go when you're when you've hit meth, you're just done. Yeah, like black tar, uh, I, ha- black tar heroin might be up above that, but right. Oh, no. good lord. Uh, yeah, I think that's all I've got about that one. No, yeah, that's I think all we can. Oh, Christina Hendricks in it. I like her. Yeah, that's about that's about all I can I can muster on Assassin's Creed. What what have you been getting yourself into lately? Uh, so I had an, I had my my big exam at work this week. So a lot of it's just been like mindless crap. Like I was I was playing some Empire Total War afterwards. Uh, I've watched a couple Harry Potter movies. Uh, I've been listening to the audio book for the for that leads into Star Wars Rogue One so it's it's called mm-hmm. a catalyst mm-hmm. parts of it are interesting and parts of it are like okay whatever i mean it's kind of a it's just you know kind of what i come to expect out from a star wars book mhm 
I actually went on like a fairly big movie binge. I saw uh, Hacksaw Ridge. That was actually pretty good. I know Mel Gibson's crazy, but it's actually a pretty decent war film. I mean, let's be honest. The man does make good movies. He does. You know, he does actually. They're actually kind of good. And you got to give him credit for making a decent war film on only a $40 million budget. About a, and about a pacifist. About pacifist. Yeah. And you're like, <laughs> like he, I mean, like you the, made a war film about a guy who doesn't like war. Yeah. And you look at the cast, like Andrew Garfield, uh, Vince Vaughn, Sam Worthington, Hugo Weaving, and you're like, okay, but they That's like $25 all... million in budget right there. Yeah, but they're all like, okay, they, like a bunch of, you know, actors that are all kind of like strange. I just, let's just yeah, call them. No, I think yeah. they're just strange. And you're like, wow, they actually work out. That's, that was pretty good. I enjoyed that. And then I saw, I just mentioned Passengers. And I actually, I know the critics are kind of dumping all over it, but I kind of liked it. Um, it's it's a, it's a science fiction film that does kind of straddle a bunch of different genres over the course of the runtime of the movie. And I, I thought it was pretty interesting. Uh, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, I, what more can I say? I, mean, I like Jennifer Lawrence. I was surprised I could handle Chris Pratt as, as much as I did. And uh, it was, I don't know, I'd say go see it. It's tough to come by decent science fiction movies. It, it really is. And I didn't like Arrival, so I was kind of happy to see this one do pretty good obviously i saw a movie called assassin's creed and i did see manchester by the sea which was that like all like the npr stations were loving manchester by the sea starring casey affleck and has uh, michelle williams in it and i like i like these actors and it is a well acted very well written film but i understand there were a few people who were like okay when it's all over what was the point and i, I kind of yeah, I kind of you know, see what N- they were saying. NPR latches on to films sometimes. Yep. Like there was one two years ago called Nebraska. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, every NPR show had one of like the three stars or the director or the producer. Mm-hmm. Like for about six months, that's all people wanted to talk about. And like, you know, you'd only go, you'd go, you know, every other day before without hearing about it. They did the same thing with the movie called Tangerine last year. Yeah, I mean, you know, but once a year or twice a year, they, they just latch onto a film and talk about how amazing it is. And you kind of walk out and you go, who the fuck cares? Right. Yeah. And uh, don't get me wrong. Manchester by the Sea is well done. It's just a little long. And again, it, there's not much of a story. It's more right. of like a situation. And that's always been my complaint with certain movies is there's a difference between a story and a situation. Last year, Tangerine full on sucked. And that was one of those movies that NPR, like, like you just said, got behind big time. They had someone on one show. They had like Fresh Air had one of the actors and the director. And it was like, this movie sucks. Yeah. So that was, I mean, that that's been it on my end. I've been trying to catch up on the movies. All right. Good stuff, man. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to a week off of work where I can just do stuff. All right, folks, if you like what we do, make sure you head on over to thereforegeek.com. You can check out our blog posts on our podcast. You can find us on Facebook, on Instagram, and on Twitter. And you can find this podcast and other podcasts like it on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and YouTube. So once again, I'm Andrew. I'm Dude. And you've been listening to Therefore I Geek.